Boy, whoever tested this mic doesn't talk as loud as I do. Welcome. How are you guys feeling? It's gonna be it's gonna be a good one today. Everybody, buckle up. Another another part of our series. If you're just joining us, we're in a series examining the fruit of the spirit. Just as a quick uh, recap, we started with self-control. Last week, Sam preached on faithfulness. Uh, both of these messages I found incredibly convicting uh, and challenging as we kind of are forced to examine how we're living out our life as Christians today. And we have to remember, we have to remind ourselves, I think every week as we're looking at this, that all the fruit, of all the attributes of the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, or forbearance, I learned it as patience, it's really hard for me to change that in my head, uh, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. All these, not just some of them, not just parts of them, but all of them should be seen in our lives as Christians. Maybe not perfectly, but consistently increasing as we walk with the Lord, as we walk by the Spirit and not by the flesh. Now, all of these characteristics of the fruit that are being produced in us are done so by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's good news. He's doing the heavy lifting. And all of this is for a great and glorious goal. There's a point to it. There's a reason for it. And that is that we would be seeing more, we'd be seeing ourselves being created more into the image of Christ. That we can be in his likeness and represent him well to the world. You guys with me so far? Yeah. Good, good. I ask a lot because, again, I, Sam mentioned it. I mentioned it the week before. With the mask, it's just really hard to tell. I don't know what, what's going on behind that mask. Who knows? It's a mystery. So that's what we want to keep in mind, that this is the fruit of the Spirit is really a depiction of who Jesus is. It's all about who he is and not just who he is, but how he lived, right? He is the essence of how to love and what love is and, and patience and kindness and goodness. And this is what we hope to see produced in us so that we can represent that to the world as we represent Christ, that these would be exhibited in all areas of our life. That should challenge us. If you read through that list, that's challenging. And today we're continuing with, uh, I'm going to call, uh, Brandon's wacky reordering of the fruit of the Spirit, since Sam made fun of me last week for changing the order. Uh, I have reasons, so uh, if you want to know them, you can ask me another time. And uh, anyway, I'm doing it the way we're doing it. And last week we did, or we did self-control, we did faithfulness. Pretty hard-hitting topic, so I thought let's change gears. And we're going to talk about joy. That's why we've got to be some excitement, right? Joy? Sound good? Oh, so if you're thinking, man, I had a really rough week. I had a really rough day, really rough morning. So many of us would say, I had a really rough last year. Well, you picked a good day to come to church at 5. Who doesn't need more joy in their life? I need it so much I named my daughter Joy so that I can always hold joy physically in my arms. <laughs> Me and Giannis were talking. There's, like, there's going to be some expectation that I have to make mention that my daughter's name is Joy. So there it is. Check that one off the list. Now we can continue with the sermon. <laughs> so how many of you maybe have had a bad day recently? Yeah, maybe, bad day, here and there. Some of you are like, never, I live a perfect holy life. I'm always happy. Well, I think that most of us have had a few days, at least maybe this last year, maybe this last week, maybe some point in our life, where we just thought, I really wish that I could go back and just stay in bed all day. That day did not work out the way I had hoped. Days that we have very little joy, or we feel like, it's somewhere else. We're not experiencing it. Everything seems to be going wrong. And I want to kind of point out, when we're talking about joy, we want to keep that in mind. That's an aspect. We want to see joy in those areas of our life, in those days that we experience. But you might be thinking, wait a minute. This is, there's more than just having a bad day, waking up on the wrong side of the bed, or maybe uh, skipping or missing your, your tram, which is not the end of the world. Sometimes it feels like that. Maybe you're thinking, man, no, I'm dealing with real issues, man. I'm suffering. I'm dealing with loss or loneliness. And there are certainly worse things than stubbing your toe or missing a tram or whatever it might be. Some of you 
didn't just have a bad day. You got maybe some bad news recently. And so we want to, if we're talking about joy, we got to go on both ends of the spectrum. Hey, I want you to have joy when you're feeling like, man, this day is just really, everything's going against me. But I also want you to have joy even when things are really bad and you're suffering. That's the kind of joy we are offered in the gift of the Holy, or the fruit of the Holy Spirit. That's the kind of joy we want to talk about today. A couple weeks ago, uh, I actually, I lost uh, my aunt. Uh, My aunt passed away. It was actually the week that I preached on uh, um, self-control. It was a very odd topic to talk about after getting such news. And it was a Sunday morning, and I got the news. And it was very unexpected, and it it really hit me hard. And I think it hit me hardest because I am so far away, and I can't be there for my mom, who it was really, it's her sister, and it was, she was really struggling. And yeah, that's... We have moments like that, a phone call, uh, uh, just a text message, an email that can really hit us hard. And we want to talk about all kinds of situations we find ourselves in and how to experience joy in them. How do we find joy in all things, in every situation, whether it's just a bad day, bad news, or even a life-changing event? And if If we can have the joy that we can have even in suffering, then certainly we can have it always without excuse. Right? Amen? You guys with me? You guys want to hear about that joy? All right. Good. Good. Some head nods. That's good. So let's look at a story I believe that helps us to kind of maybe just define what we're talking about when we are talking about joy as the joy of the Lord, as a fruit of joy in our life. And this is in Acts 16. And here, Paul and Silas are having a pretty bad day. They've been just walking through the city. Uh, they're kind of followed by this, by this lady, and they, they end up healing her. And, and this is, this is the, the response that the city gives. So in Acts 16, uh, 23 through 25, after they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison. And the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When, re- when he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell. So that's the deepest, darkest bottom part of an already probably filthy prison, and fastened their feet in stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. I bet they were. What's wrong with those guys? They must have hit their head a bit too hard coming in. That's a really bad day. Have you ever had a day like that? Don't raise it. No, but there's, I, don't think I've, I don't think any of you guys have been beaten, thrown into prison <laughs> That's a bad day. And I'll be honest with you. Let's just, uh, again, the, the day starts off. They're just minding their own business. They're walking around the city because God told them. God sent them to do that. So they're in God's will. They're doing what God called them to do. Things should be going well for them, right? A lot of us believe that. We think that, hey, I'm doing what God told me to do. Things should be going good. And then this lady is following them around all day, screaming at them, uh, kind of mocking them. Oh, these are men of God. These are men of God. And just in a very mocking way. And it turns out she had an evil spirit in her. And Eventually, they kind of get a little bit fed up. They turn around, they cast the demon out and kind of go about their business. And uh, she was a slave, and the owner of that slave was profiting off of this, of what uh, some abilities that she had because of this spirit in her. And they're mad, and so that's why this all happened and why they get thrown into prison. And I would just say, already, having somebody follow me around and yelling at me, that's a pretty bad day. I would be like, that's weird. What are you doing? Like, this is a weird day. I would go home and be like, hey, honey, I had a really weird, kind of bad day. I was yelled at all day by some crazy lady. That's a bad day. But their day doesn't just start there. It goes from bad to worse. And again, they're in God's will. They're doing what God's called them to do. And all they did was cast out a demon. She's in way better off, way better position than she was before. And they are severely beaten, thrown into this maximum security prison tied, chained in by feet and hands. They might be thinking, what in the world's going on? If it were me, let's be honest, quite a few of us, we might be thinking, "Uh, that's it, okay, all right, I've, I've tried. I'm now officially allowed to complain about my situation. How many of you would maybe be tempted to complain a little? I would, I'm not gonna lie. I'd be like, "Mm, this is... That's it. What's going on? What are they doing? They're praying and singing? Now, the praying I get, I'd be praying. I'd be praying things like, God, please help me. And God, why? Why? Why did this happen? 
Do you ever find yourself wanting to scream out to God, why, why, why me, why now, why this? How is it then that Paul and Silas can sing praise to God after such a day? Like, okay, now I deserve, I deserve a drink after that day. Now they're praying, praising, and singing. The short answer is that they had the Holy Spirit fruit of joy, the joy of the Lord. You guys want that? Who wants that? I want that. Man, I just, the more I'm thinking about this, I'm like, man, I want that joy. Not just sometimes, I want it all the time. Now, if you know the story, or you read the next verse, you might be thinking, okay, well, yeah, but an angel of God comes and frees them right after this. But I don't believe that they had any idea that was going to happen. They weren't singing. It wasn't like they were singing to God, hoping that if they sang well enough, sang in the right key, it's like, okay, God probably likes, you know, a G, probably to a C, maybe D. Drop it down to an E minor, back to the C, nice and comfortable. If we do, if we sing in the right melody, then maybe God will kind of hear our prayer, hear our song, and come and do something for us. They are not thinking that way. That would be fear. Fear would be motivating them. Oh, if we do everything right, if we do everything well, oh, we must have done something wrong. Oh, let's just, we'll just pray a lot and praise a lot so that God kind of comes back and, and helps us. Sometimes we try this, right? We kind of fake our smile, fake, kind of fake it till you make it kind of feeling. Oh, if I do, oh, okay, something's going wrong. I must, have, I must have done something wrong. I'll just pray a little extra, do a little extra good thing so that, you know, things get back on track. They weren't doing this out of fear. They didn't care. I don't believe they cared if they were in that cell all night or even for the rest of their lives. And as far as they knew, remember Paul had, had witnessed the first martyr this could have been the end. This could have led to their deaths. And like, hey, if this is going to be the end, man, I'm going to go out praising God. I'm going to go out singing glory to God. I'm going to be praying and praising Him. Well, they had something that some of us don't. Something that we should want. See, they were able to sing praises to God because the joy the joy that they had in their heart was greater than the weight of the difficulty of their situation. The joy was greater. The joy was bigger. To have real joy, the joy that comes from God in our life, the kind that we see here with Paul, we need to first understand the source. Where is that joy coming from? How do I get that? How do I tap into that? Where does our joy, where does your joy come from? Where does your joy come from? What brings you joy? Because the things are, when things get hard, when you have a difficult situation, if it's a bad day, missing the tram, or some bad news that hits you out of nowhere, then you're going to know where your joy comes from and how sustainable it really is. Then you're going to know. That's how we know. And quick note, when I'm talking about joy, I'm not talking about fake happiness, faking a smile. I don't think they were in there like, just like, mm, this is fine, whatever, we're in prison. They, they, they felt the pain. They felt the hurt of those whips as they hit them. They felt the suffering, but the joy was greater. The joy was greater. The joy of the Lord is a peace that brings satisfaction to our hearts because the source of the joy runs deeper than anything in this world. No matter how deep the suffering, the well of joy is deeper. And it can never, ever run dry if we have the right source. We can have joy even in sorrow. It doesn't diminish the sorrow, but I can have joy that's greater than the sorrow I'm experiencing. Greater than the trouble, whether it's a good day or a bad day. The joy of the Lord is only experienced when our true joy comes from the right source. From the right source. How many of you, you don't have to raise your hand. I'll ask though, pre, kind of uh, rhetorically, how many of you maybe fasted last week? We did a, a week of fasting. I tried. No, I, I, I did fast. I didn't fast food all week. I know some people did. Uh, but I, I laid some things aside in my life that I knew, hmm, I need to lay these things aside. And I'm going to tell you, I'll be honest with you guys, it was a bit painful for me to be reminded that Maybe these things, some of these things, had become too much of a source of joy in my life. Some things that I laid aside, I realized, oof, after a long day, as uh, 
um, Philip also said in the pre-service meeting, kind of like, hmm, there's a lockdown. Uh, we're not watching Netflix. Uh, what do we do? Hmm, stare at each other. You start to realize maybe these things were, were kind of a big source of joy in our lives. And I realized that. Man, there's some things that I needed to set aside and maybe I should keep setting aside. See, there are good things, though. There are good things in our life that can bring us joy, but they should not be our ultimate source of joy because they're not going to be enough. I'll tell you one thing I'm thinking of right now. I'm thinking of vacation. Last year, I didn't get to really take a vacation, and I could see myself right now on a nice warm beach, sun on my face, not being winter anymore. Not much of a winter fan here. That would bring me joy. I'm not going to lie. That would bring me joy. It's a good thing. It would bring me joy. Maybe it's reading a good book, watching a good movie, a loving relationship, a faithful friend. These are good things, and they can bring us joy. In fact, they're good gifts of God, and actually God gives us these good gifts in order for us to experience his joy. But they can never be enough. They can never sustain our joy or be our ultimate source of joy. And there's nothing wrong, again, with finding joy in good things, in, in, in these things that are good. But if you find yourself, again, in a spot like Paul did, if you find yourself in a hard situation, in a really bad day, or having some really bad news, a vacation, or a good book, or Netflix, these are not going to help you in that situation. They might feel like they do for a minute or a second. Maybe you'll be able to push the pain away for a moment, but they're not going to bring you great joy. They're not going to bring you joy that you could sing praise and prayer to God from a prison. The pursuit of joy is something really deep in us. We all know what we're talking about. We're all kind of, as a part of our humanity, are seeking this. Everyone is seeking joy in one way or another. It's really governing everything we do. Every decision we make is kind of in one way or another and some people, maybe who are like self-loathing, might be trying to avoid it. But either way, joy is really dominating a lot of how we make decisions, a lot of how the world is making decisions, how people, how humanity is making decisions. And I would, all, I would kind of offer up as a suggestion that this is because we're created to find it. We're created to find joy. It's a part of our DNA. It's a part of our, our makeup. It's how we're made. We seek it. We want it so desperately because we're created to find it but we have to look in the right place we have to look in the right place and the world has many pursuits of joy many avenues that we can take of course many of them sinful and as Christians I think we often forget where our joy comes from or maybe we were never taught or maybe you never knew or maybe you ever even thought about it and so we, too, may fall into trying to fill the hole that the joy of the Lord is meant to fill with all manners of unhealthy pursuits, with alcohol and drugs or unhealthy relationships going from person to person, sex, lust, porn addiction, food, gluttony, food addiction, money, fame, just the pursuit of success and power, and authority, all of these things we think are kind of going to fill that hole of joy in one way or another. And we grab at these trying to fill, kind of stuff them into that place. And whether you seek to find joy in life through good things, family, even ministry or career, these can be good things. Or through all manners of unhealthy pursuits, they will always leave you empty. They're never going to be enough. They're never going to satisfy. And there's two ways that you'll find out that these cannot satisfy. One is when they fail to satisfy. When you finally realize this is not working. Or you fail at your career. You fail at an attempt for great money or success or power. And you realize that didn't work as I thought. And the other way that you will find out that it cannot satisfy is through success. When everything works out exactly the way you want to. And you get everything you always wanted and realize at the end of it all, it didn't do anything that you thought it would do. Some of us, some of us, some of you here today maybe believe, oh, as soon as I get my degree, 
oh, if I just get a husband or a wife. As soon as I get to this point in my life and I have the success in it, then I'll have joy. Then I'll have satisfaction. Then things will be different in my life. And failure will remind you quickly that these cannot sustain you with true joy. And anyone who's ever had success long enough will tell you that even if you get everything you want, you'll still be you. You'll still be you. That's the thing we forget. We imagine that if we have this or have that, we will be different people, but you are you. And if you're looking for joy and trying to change your situation, change everything about yourself, you'll find that it falls flat. This is the difference between temporary happiness. All of these things can offer temporary happiness. I'm not going to argue that. Of course they can. But there's a difference between temporary happiness and the joy of the Lord. One is temporary. One is eternal. So we can feel happy or satisfaction because things are around us are going well, because something is has providing us pleasure or enjoyment or satisfaction or achievement or whatever it might be. You can be happy in these things that you have, in your stuff, in your job, in your relationship, your career. But the joy of the Lord is having satisfaction in something greater than you. Wait a minute, what? Yeah, step outside of yourself when you're looking for joy. Something greater than you, greater than your situation. That never diminishes no matter how good or bad things may be. That sounds good. I want that one. I hope you do too. And I hope that today God helps you to find it. See, it's not about feeling good or feeling happy. That will always fade. Not that you can't feel good and happy. I'm not saying that. If, it's, if you're feeling happy, it's not the joy of the Lord. That's not what I'm saying. Make sure I make, clarify that. I don't want anybody making wrong notes here. It's not about feeling good or happy in itself. But rather, it's about knowing Jesus, knowing what he's done for you, and knowing who you are, who you are in him. Do you know this Jesus, the real Jesus of the Bible? Is he your Lord today? As I often say, not some cardboard cutout, kind of cuddly Instagram Jesus is some people seem, seem to depict when they talk about Jesus. And I'm like, have you read the Bible? What Jesus, where are you getting your Jesus from? That's not what the Bible, that's not who Jesus is in the Bible. But biblical Jesus, powerful Jesus, full of love and compassion and kindness, but also authority and might and glory. If he is your Lord today, oh, you can find rest. Find rest and rejoice. For those who are his, he will never lose. Those whom he has set free are free indeed. Those who belong to him are no longer dead in their trespasses, but have been raised to new life. They are new creatures in Christ. This isn't just random things I'm saying. This is scripture. So rejoice. Your name is written in the Lamb's book of life and will never be blotted out. I actually had it in my notes. I took it out, but I'm going to put, I'm going to put it in because we're going to go a bit longer today. You guys look comfortable and want to learn about joy. So uh, There's, a, there's a, a, a story where uh, Jesus sends out the disciples. It's in Luke, and he sends them out, uh, the, the 72, and they go out, and they cast out demons. They do all these amazing things, and they come back, and they're like filled with joy. They're like, wow, God, Jesus, look what we did. We did all these cool things. And he says, man, that's nothing. That's nothing. And he kind of lists some things that that are even more things that are going to kind of be done through them. And then he says, but however, however, that doesn't really matter. I'm paraphrasing. Rejoice that your names are written in the book of life. Rejoice that your names are written in the book of life. So no matter, even if we have everything, he said, that doesn't really matter. There's a true source of joy that's greater than everything else. And we should rejoice in this. And this should bring us great peace. This truth, this truth, guys. I know you're like, I've heard this before. Man, you didn't get it then. If it doesn't bring you joy, you're not getting it. This truth is something greater than anything you go through. And you can always come back to this point remembering that your name is written in heaven. And it should fill you with joy. Just that thought should be like, "Mm." I assume all of you are smiling right now. I can't see your faces, but I assume... 
that God is just filling you with joy as you remember, oh yeah, that's good news. Who cares about this situation? Who cares about this bad day? Man, my name is written in heaven. Oh, and if you believe, if Christ is your king, you can choose joy at all times and in any situation. You can choose that. What are you focusing on? What is your source of joy? You can do as James says in James 1, 2, count it all joy, not some things, not some situations, not just when things are good. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, all kinds, every kind of Every kind of bad day you can imagine, count it joy. That's what Paul understood. It's so important because, first of all, we can note that it's important because James starts his book off like this. It's so important because it's something that we all face. Every single one of us will have trials. If you haven't had any heavy trials in your life, buckle up. They're coming. Everybody faces trials. We all face rough seasons. It's unavoidable as long as you live on this planet. And James says, count it all joy. Now, why would he say that? Why would he say that? And he's writing to churches that were being persecuted. Why would he say that? Sometimes we feel like, oh, you can't tell people to have joy. Man, they're suffering. They're in a bad situation. Well, James did. Why would he do that? Why would he do that unless we can actually have joy? Unless we can actually have that. You can always be choosing to have joy in the greater truth of Christ in you. I know it's like boilerplate stuff, man, but man, I feel like let's have that joy. Let's let it be contagious. It's looking at the big picture. When we think of this truth in any situation, it can remind us that everything is temporary and that what we have in Jesus is greater, is eternal compared to any affliction in the now. I want to read the scripture that we read at the beginning again in Habakkuk. That's a fun word. That should make you giggle. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. Yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. Now, you may be thinking, uh, what? That doesn't feel very relevant to me. Doesn't feel very relevant to my situation. I mean, most of us aren't thinking a lot about harvests and where the sheep are, or even where our food comes from at all, to be honest. But man, you can fit anything into that. Anything into that first half of the passage that applies to your life. Maybe it's finances coming up short, failing a test, failing a really big exam. You studied really hard, but somehow you didn't pass. And you think, oh, what does this mean for my future? What do I, what's going to happen from this? Losing a relationship. Somebody moved away. Something fell apart. Or maybe they are no longer with us. This poem is really about loss. It's about suffering, about dealing with fear and doubt, not knowing where your food's going to come from, not knowing what to do when everything seems to be completely falling apart. There's no hope. You have no food. There's no food. There's no harvest. There's no sheep. There's no, there's no income. What are you going to do? You have nothing left if everything is stripped away from you. And no matter how big your trial is in your life, verse 18 19 still stand true. Yet I will rejoice. Yet. I'll look at all that and be like, whoa. Yet I will rejoice. I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. Find your source of joy in what Jesus has done for you. And let him give you joy and strength through the Holy Spirit. Now, if you don't know Jesus today, this is, this is what the Bible, this is what it's all about. This is what Christianity is, is trying, to, what the Bible is trying to explain, what Christianity is about. It's not just about rules and regulations and all of this stuff. Well, it's about joy. 
and knowing the truth of who you are in him and knowing the truth of what he's done for you and accepting that truth, that salvation, and let it fill you with joy in all things, in all situations. And if you have Christ, you have the Holy Spirit and you have this joy. It's there if you tap into it. And do you understand how important joy is in your life? Do you understand how important joy is in your life? I mean, we all want joy, right? We all want it. But man, do you know how important it is? Because what is joy? Joy gives us strength. Oh, it gives us strength. And let me tell you, we have an enemy that doesn't want to see you strong. He doesn't want to see you have strength when things are going hard. He wants to see you defeated because you stubbed your toe in the morning. He wants to see you defeated because you missed your tram. He wants to see you defeated because some small thing went wrong in your life. Or maybe it's a big thing. You failed that exam or you, that relationship fell apart or whatever it might be. He wants to see you defeated by that. And the best way to do it is if you are looking to that thing for your joy. And when you lose it, you have no joy and then you have no strength. So we want strength. We want joy. But we need to understand how important it is. The devil does not want you to have joy in your life. And the Bible says that he comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. And man, his favorite way to do that is to take your joy. He wants you to feel guilt and shame in your sin, to forget what Christ has done for you, that he's forgiven you, and that his forgiveness is complete through his redeeming blood. He wants you to feel abandoned, to feel alone, to feel like the whole world is against you, to feel forgotten, and to forget the promises of God. The devil wants to distract you, to have you running around trying to fill a void by any means necessary that only the joy of the Lord can fill so that he can take it away and crush you. So whether through good things of God, good gifts that he's given you, or through the desires of our flesh, right? Sinful things, lust of our eyes, the hunger of our bellies, whatever it might be, all the things that we try to find joy in as our source of joy will always be short-lived. Oh, they often taste like honey, right? going down, but it turns to ash in our mouth. The external affair, extramarital affair, sorry. This brief moment of passion and pleasure, and it seems everything, is it's all worth it, followed by grief and the destruction of a family. And the devil laughs that you took the bait. Oh, you thought that would be enough to give you joy. And he takes it away and crushes us. Ah, oh, just another drink. Then I'll feel better. Just another relationship. Just another click on a porn video. I'll just stay really busy in my life if I'm just really busy, always pushing myself, always pushing myself, studying hard, trying to get that career. Oh, then I can just kind of keep those feelings of doubt and fear away and find my joy over here in these things as I kind of move forward in my success. The most important truth to grasp in order to receive a full portion of joy, the joy of the Lord, is this. First of all, your joy is never found in any of those things. Our joy is always rooted in the truth of God's promises to us. It's always rooted in the truth of God's promises. And it's the difference between believing the lie of the devil, because that's always a lie, that he's trying to trick you into saying, oh, this will make you happy, this will bring you joy. The difference between believing the lie of the devil about how to find joy and pleasure and the truth of what God has done for you. The truth of what God has done for you. As Christians, we always have something to be excited about. Some of you have been Christians a long time. And maybe you were really, you've had moments where you were really excited about God, really excited about your faith, really connected with what he's done for you, and that but seems to be distant. It was once upon a time. It can be easy to let those things fade, to let our excitement 
our enthusiasm for what God has done for us fade. We can start to forget how amazing it is that we've been saved at all, that our names are written in heaven. Are you amazed at his love for you today? Are you amazed? We can forget, and I'm guilty. It's very interesting that... uh, um, Giannis mentioned that uh, this, at the beginning that uh, what Luther says that I preach the gospel every week because every week the people forget it and yes it was Martin Luther um, because we forget we forget what God's done we forget the grace we forget the gospel we forget that nothing can separate us from the love of God we forget that everything that I've ever done everything you've ever done wrong or ever will do is already been forgiven because of the blood of Christ. That's good news, guys. We forget that we are his children and that he loves us completely. I've got two kids back there. Man, I would fight a bear for them. But let me tell you, the love I have for them is nothing compared to what God's love for us is. He loves us so perfectly and completely as his children. We forget that we can draw near to him always in every situation. Man, these are promises. Again, I'm not just saying random things here, guys. This is all from scripture. These are promises of God, and if you know them and if you hold on to them, you'll have joy. I'm giving you the secrets here. But we forget. We forget. Because the devil either gets us distracted, trying to find joy in the wrong things, or he's crushing us by taking them away. It is so important that we remember this because the Lord, the joy of the Lord is our strength and his joy is greater, his greatest expression of his joy is seen when we understand this truth that he's there to help us in times of distress that he's there with us in all situations and that we are his no matter what. Nothing counters the weight of a trial more than the surpassing value of the joy of the Lord. Nothing. The, devil, the devil's lies produce temporary pleasure followed by a falling into a worse state. And if you've ever made that mistake of trying to go for that, taking the bait, you know what I'm talking about. God's promises produce a wellspring of joy that will flow out of us. Not only are you going to be filled with joy, it's going to be demonstrated in all areas of your life. And that's attractive. People will want to know what is it that you have and how can I get it? And God's word is filled with his promises. But I believe that there's one promise that we must fully grasp in order to step into the fullness of joy. It's one thing. If you leave with one thing, so what do we, we want to know the promises of God because when we, under, when we stand on those, then we can have the joy and that joy comes from the joy of our salvation. And so there's one truth, one promise you have to grasp and that is forgiveness. Forgiveness. You have to grasp that you've been forgiven. If you want to have joy today, today, like, oh, yeah, I hope I can maybe someday have something like that. Man, no, don't wait. What are you waiting for? You can have joy today. Then you need to first accept that you're forgiven. And we forget. Oh, because we want to beat ourselves up. We want to make ourselves suffer. And we forget that we're forgiven and accepted. Not because of what we've done. The love of God is not unconditional. Some people say, oh, God loves you unconditionally. He doesn't love you unconditionally. He loves you very conditionally. It's just that that condition was met by Christ so that you can come to him freely. It costs much for God to show his love to you. The price of sin was death and we deserved it. But Jesus laid down his life and paid that price. So now God looks at you through him and sees that your debt has been paid and that you have been forgiven and redeemed by Christ. Oh, I think of David as he's confronted with great sin in his life, adultery, 
and the planned murder of the husband of the woman that he's stolen. That's pretty bad sin. And in his confession and repentance, we see these words contained in Psalm 51, 12. Restore to me the joy, the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. What salvation is that? The salvation rooted and founded in grace, which is the undeserved forgiveness of God. He's saying, I don't deserve it. Forgive me anyway. And I know that in my forgiveness, great joy, comes great joy. There's joy in your salvation because I know that I am completely redeemed and set free because I can never do enough. I can never, rake, I can never make this right, God. So restore to me the joy of your salvation. Or the Israelites. This is a very popular verse quoted, sung a lot. But it's actually, they're, they're, they've had the scripture read to them and they're in grief. They're like, whoa, we were way off. We've been living in sin. I mean, they're wanting to like, you know, just, you know, put ash on their head, man. They're just like, we're, they're grieving over their sin. They're mourning over their sin. They're, they've become aware of how far away from God they've been. And yet, Nehemiah says, or in Nehemiah 8.10, the response to their grief is, Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. It's a great verse. It's a popular verse. I've seen it on a lot of uh, coffee mugs. But we have to understand that, man, it came out of, hey, the joy of the Lord is your strength. That, That joy of that salvation comes from the understanding that you've been forgiven. Comes from the understanding that you've been forgiven. In all my years so far as a Christian, this, my friends, please hear me, I still find to be the deepest, most profound, and often hardest to accept truth in Christianity. That I, even I, am truly, completely forgiven by the blood of Christ. I know you've heard that before, but do you, do you really know it? Because if you really know it and you really live it, oh, you should be filled with joy. You should be filled with joy because that is the greatest news ever told that you are forgiven. You don't deserve it, but he forgave you all the same because of the blood of Christ. As David says in Psalm 32, 1 and 2, blessed, blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven whose sins are covered. That's us today, guys. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them and in whose spirit is no deceit. Oh, if you know Christ, if you follow him, if he is your Lord today, then you are blessed. You're redeemed. You're forgiven right now, today, and forever. Make this the center and source of joy in your life and it will not fade. Paul got it. Paul understood that. That's how he could sing praises to God after being beaten and thrown in prison. And I assure you, there was no bad day enough to take his joy away. Make that the center. Because this is a truth that is unchanging. You change. So if you think, I used to feel that, but now I don't. The truth didn't change, guys. You did. You stopped looking to it as a source of your joy. Maybe you found something else. Maybe you just forgot. Maybe you started believing the lies of the devil and forgot the promises of God. Whatever it was, man, you can go back. Stand on this truth. It never changed because God didn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he said it, and he's not going to change his mind about you. You're not the one exception. So tap into that. Accept it. Know the joy of your salvation. And let me end with this. Fight for your joy. Fight for joy in your life. Don't let it be taken away from you. It's yours. It was bought through the blood of Christ. Because the joy is in your salvation. So if you belong to Christ, then you have salvation. 
eternal salvation. And if you have eternal salvation through the blood of Christ, you have joy. Joy is something you can always have. You have to be willing to fight for it, though. Because, let's be honest, a lot of times when we feel really drained of joy, again, I'm not talking about fake happiness, I'm talking about real, genuine joy, because it's a joy that's deeper than our situation. We don't have it because we don't want to have it often. We choose to feel sorry for ourselves. And we want other people to feel sorry for us. And so we want to really mope in our pain and mope in our, in our problems instead of saying, man, God is greater than this situation and my joy is deeper than what I'm going through and I will live in that. But let me be honest. If you don't fight for joy, you're not going to have the strength that God wants to give you either. There's a real enemy trying to take it from you always in any way. And I'll be honest, a lot, I, I, I really I feel like God... I'm just going to be real with you guys. I'm not going to be long here, taking away my notes. Always dangerous. God wants you to have joy today. A lot of you don't have joy, and you haven't had joy for a long time. And I want you guys to leave with joy. I want to leave with joy, and I want you to leave with joy too. Let's all leave with joy. That'd be great. Fight for it. Because many of you, tonight, the devil's going to do everything he can to try to take this truth away from you. Everything he can to try to distort it, distract you, make you seek something else. Remind you that, no, that can't be you. You messed up too much. Man, rebuke that. Stand on the promises of God. Fight for the joy that God has given you. The devil wants to take it from you. The world is just going to say, do whatever makes you happy. But that will fade quickly. And I say again, choose to have joy instead and fight to keep it. And the more you know the truth, the more you meditate on the promises of God so that they're really written on your heart in a way that you, they cannot be taken from you, the more you know Jesus and what he's truly done for you and that you are completely and fully forgiven for everything that you've done wrong the harder it will be for the enemy to try and steal the God-given fruit of joy that you have. So let me leave you this. Here's your homework. You guys ready? You didn't know. You're getting a homework assignment. Really. Because I know a lot of you are like, man, I want to have joy, but I don't know. It's not going to work for me. Do the homework. Number one, if you have, write this down if you have something to write on. Find a promise of God in his word, not just an idea, in his word, in the Bible, that fills you with joy, and memorize it this week. Tonight, if you can. I mean, if you just do one verse, it's not that hard. Memorize it and recite it every day this coming week. Find one, and I mean, I don't know, maybe it's that God will never leave you. Maybe you feel really alone and feel really abandoned, and you can stand on that promise that Jesus said, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. Or maybe it's that you are a new creature in Christ. You think, man, I've done a lot of bad things, and I, I don't know. Stand on that promise that you're a new creature. You're not that old person anymore. You're a new person. Or just stand on one of the many verses that talks about the joy of the Lord is your strength, or that, the, that your joy is found in his salvation. Some of the verses we just read through tonight. And man, you guys have phones, you have technology. Man, you can just do a quick Google search and I'm sure find a lot of really great verses that will hopefully encourage you and give you, breathe life and bring joy into your, into your heart that will, whatever it is that counters your situation, find it, memorize it, and recite it every day this week. So that every time you have a moment where joy is trying to be taken from you, I'm gonna stand on that promise. And then maybe next week, add to that and add to that and add to that. But just start with one week, one verse, one promise, and stand on it. And the other thing I want to say, and this is maybe, I don't know, this is, what I, this is what I believe, and I would say, listen to some good, good Christian gospel-centered music, and it will fill you with joy. As, as I was preparing for this message, I thought, man, you got to really get into the right heart of joy. And so I'll be, I listened to a lot of gospel music this week, <laughs> like old gospel music. Like, when I listen to, like, Aretha Franklin singing gospel music, I cannot not have joy in my heart. So, 
That's, that's just my gift to you. You can try that one out on your own, but maybe, it's, maybe you're not quite there yet. But uh, man, you know, gospel music, I could say a lot about, is, is really powerful because at its heart, it's all about singing about what God has done for us and what God has done for you. And so when you listen to that music, it will, it, it's just a powerful way to kind of reorient your heart and bring you back to a place where you can stand back on those promises. And a good gospel music, good Christian gospel music is gonna sing those promises to you because we want to be able to have songs in our heart when we have that moment where we're choosing joy we want to have a song to sing as Paul did I think he's glad that he had a song to sing when he was in that prison and so find a song find a verse find a promise of God to stand on and find a song that fills you with joy that you can sing to help you reorient yourself back to the joy of your salvation sound good some of you guys going to do that homework, I hope. Good. I'll ask you about it next week. No. We'll see. So I'll invite the band to come back up as we finally come to a very long sermon close. And I just want to again remind you, as we've been talking about the fruit of the Spirit, that when we are seeing this fruit of joy come into our lives, come into our hearts, manifest itself in the way that we experience difficult situations even, man, it really is a powerful way to represent Christ to the world. Because as I said, seeking joy is rooted in our human nature. And when people in your life see that you have joy, even when things are rough, that you have a song in your heart, even when things are hard, it's going to be very attractive. And I believe it will lead people to ask you, what do you have and how can I get it? To which you can say, Jesus Christ. And that's a good testimony to have. Let me pray as we prepare to sing a last song that's uh, also right on topic about joy in our salvation. Father, we thank you so much for the joy that we have in you, the joy that we have in our salvation, the joy that we have in being forgiven by you and knowing you and the grace that we've received in you and all of the promises that we could stand on that we could go on and on and on and talking about. I pray, Father, that every single person here today that wants to have your joy leaves here today with your joy. And that this week, Father, that you would begin to grow a hunger for you and an excitement about what you've done for them in their hearts and in their lives that fills them with joy no matter what they're facing in this life, in this situation, in this week. And it would be so full, so connected to that spring of joy within them that it flows out into their life and is noticed by everyone around them. I pray this in Jesus Christ's holy name. Amen. So I invite you now to stand as we have a song of rejoicing.